How we doing? How we doing? Welcome to the sixth episode of the Super Super 8 Podcast. I'm your host, Pat Lynch. Let's get right to it. There's a lot to talk about. Um, the last time I put out an episode was about three-ish weeks ago, I want to say. Let's see. Yeah. That's a problem, huh? Well, in my defense, for the first two weeks of the podcast, I put out like five. So that's my excuse anyways. I've been busy. One of the major things that... Um, now I'm out of breath because I just ran up the stairs locking my cat out. I'm drinking uh, some limeade and rum. Out of this crafty metal, um, there's a special name for it, I forget what it's called, I'm just calling it a mug. It's got no handle, it's like a metal cup, I don't know. It's all the rage nowadays. Metal metal thermoses, metal cups, metal um, water bottles are the way to go. You can go a whole day with a water bottle, like in the blazing sun, a metal water bottle that's got like some coloring on it or whatever, and it'll still be ice cold at the end of the day. It's crazy. Um, one major thing that happened late last week, early, well, I should say about a week ago now, last weekend, was I went to Niagara Falls. Um, one thing that I want to go over, <laughs> see, I have show notes for an episode that never happened. Um, what I want to talk about was my worry that um, of how to handle TSA and security with Super 8 film. I've been through security and international security going to Ireland with... Um, with regular 35mm film, but um, uh, that's obviously easy enough. Um, but Super 8 is a little different because it's in its canister. You can't see what's in the canister. It's like, I don't I don't know how to go about having that checked. And how does any film, uh, how does any motion picture film get checked in general? I mean, you can't open the can with a daylight spool. It'll get, you know... It, it gets exposed to light at that point, and you don't want it to be X-rayed, right? Or can they can it go through an X-ray? I don't know. That is the question. But this episode is going to be kind of my first um, non-super super eight podcast because it's going to be more about my trip and about um, a lot of uh, still photography and stuff like that. So I'm branding it as the first anything that. I, any episode that I don't cater towards motion picture film and Super 8 and 16mm, um, I'm going to be branding the non-Super Super 8, or non-Super Super 8 episode. Um, does that make sense? Right, so, um, we were going from Boston to, um, Buffalo. We were there for the Pats game. Buffalo Burst. Well, we were there for the Pats game, but i um, taking things out of my pockets now. Um, but we decided to make a trip out of it, and we went to Niagara Falls for two days. What a perfect um, opportunity to take some film along, right? So initially, I had been through enough of my roll of 500T in my Super 8 camera that I decided, hey, I'm going to order some more for this trip. Um, idiotically enough, um, I wasn't thinking, and I thought, well, what haven't I used yet? I bought some Triax. Well, Niagara Falls and the surrounding area is quite colorful. You moron, why would you why would you why would you buy super why would you buy black and white film? Why would you do that? Again, I'll ask myself, why did you do that? Um and now you're asking you said it wasn't gonna be a about it wasn't gonna be a super eight episode. 
was going to be a motion picture episode, so why are we talking about Super 8? Well, my point is, is that a week before the trip, um, about eight or nine days before the trip, I had made my order, uh, it was like a Friday, I should say, so it was like five or six days. I made my order, I bought a bunch of um, 35mm film, various, of various uh, types on the FPP site, and then I ordered my cartridge of Tri-X for my Super 8 camera. Assuming that it would be here before uh, we left on Thursday, that did not happen. When did I order? I ordered it. I ordered it more than a week advance. Uh, anyways, I'm not faulting them, but stupid me for not ordering it sooner for the safety, you know, for the buffer there of days. Uh, ironically enough, ended up leaving on the day that we left, but we left so early in the morning that it didn't matter. So, I had my sister come. She grabbed the stuff, made sure I got inside because the mailman likes to leave things on our in front of our door when it's pouring rain out, or EPS does the same thing, which is kind of a pain in the ass because we don't have a porch or anything. Um, but, so, just kind of like, it was annoying that it happened to get there the day we left, but it was just sitting. So, point is, is that I didn't obviously bother to bring my Super 8 camera, which was kind of disappointing. However, I discovered, well, uh, I took a chance right literally the day before we left, or the day that we actually left, the day before, doesn't matter. Before we left, um, we had to drive the cats down to my girlfriend's mother's place, which is an interesting time because one of the cats is totally cool and doesn't need to be even crated in the car and just chills out on the floor or a lap or something. And then the other cat needs to be put in a crate very much and he uh, has a mass evacuation of all of his orifices, uh, we'll say. He pees and poops and throws up and spits up and all of those fun things. So my point is, is that on the way, we stopped at the Hunt's Photo, which is in town, thankfully enough. I picked up a bunch of stuff. Um, what did I pick up? I don't have my book in front of me, but I picked up all sorts of stuff. I picked up uh, some slide film. I picked up some black and white. I picked up some color. I picked up some Ektar, um, some Portra. Um, some Fujichrome or whatever their chrome film is and there was one or two more I think some XP2 I want to say and there was one more I forget but with me I had my half frame camera I had my OM10 and I had what else did I have oh my Rico which is just the point and shoot so I was pretty good I was just like you know I'll capture some stuff um, but so I did the same thing, um, loaded it all into a bag except for what was in the camera. I think I had one camera that was loaded because um, I wasn't thinking. Actually, come to think of it, my own 10 I think had Portrait 800 in it and it did go through the x-ray. Um, it went through once, so I'm not sure if that's gonna affect it. I wasn't thinking properly because, and this is even more stupid of me, is that uh, it was I was almost done the roll. So if I was paying attention, I would have just finished off the roll in the airport or before we left and, uh, you know, rewound it so I could put it in the bag. And uh, TSA, both ways, uh, were perfectly fine in checking. Um, they did open up all the boxes, which is to be expected, um, to check all the film. And they did that, and uh, it was fine. Um, they are very polite about it, very easy, laid back, easy going. Um, we flew out of Boston and into Buffalo. And then obviously we left 
from Buffalo to back to Boston. So we got the Buffalo, Buffalo TSA and uh, Boston TSA. If for any of you people who are um, reviewing uh, TSA. Um, and we actually had a layover in Newark. Oh, fun fact, they lost our luggage in between Buffalo, Newark, and uh, Boston. Even though there was like a giant two-hour, well, not giant, but a two-hour layover in Newark. So there's no way it could have missed. It just ended up not being on the same plane. Makes no sense. First time that's happened. Um, so, yeah. Thankfully, none of my film gear was in there. I did buy some records in Buffalo, though, so I was worried about that. But uh, my crafty girlfriend, um, it, was, it was a very strange ordeal. Um, they... Um, said that they would end up dropping it off the next morning. So I worked from home that day, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and they said they were going to deliver it by 3 o'clock, and they have a... I don't know how... Uh, I don't know how excited I am about this, but the fact that they have a... They have an app. United Airlines has an app where you can track your luggage when it is lost and you are waiting for it to be delivered. So this creepy guy named Brooke... Um, has a very crappy picture of him, and it says his name was Brooke, and didn't have his last name, and showed what car he would be driving, which was a very old 80s-style white van. would be delivering my luggage before 3 p.m., and like 2.30 rolled around, and I heard a noise outside, and it was like an old, it looked like an old, like early 90s, late 80s Ford Ranger, I'm thinking, or something of the similar type truck, a very small truck, with... It was black, and it was rusty and stuff like that, and it was ancient, and it's, you know, you could smell the exhaust from a mile away. But it had a cap on it, but the cap didn't match. It was red. It was just all sketchy. So I see this guy wandering around the front, and it's him. And I'm just looking, because he knows he's parked right behind the car. Like, he knows where he is. But he didn't ring the doorbell. And I swear to you that it, there's a, a policy for probably more airlines, but at least for United that they say like when they deliver your luggage they keep insisting on if you have a porch or something to drop the luggage off at because the lady at the booth when we were bitching about like you know what the hell how did our luggage get lost like it was physically like how is this possible like there's a two-hour layover there's no way they couldn't make the the transition and uh this lady just kept insisting she's just like well is there a porch or somewhere safe we can leave it and i said well i'll just work from home like we don't have a front porch we have a back porch we have, but we don't have a front porch and it's we're in a townhouse complex like you'd have to walk around and figure out which one it is from the back it's a pot just you know like i'll be working from home it's fine and then she didn't hear any of that like she just like looked right through me and was just like well is there a safe place or is there a porch and i was like i'll be working from home or is there a porch she just kept like she wasn't like she was purposely ignoring the fact that I was like, I will be home. And it makes sense because my girlfriend noticed it. And I was like, yeah, that's real weird. And then when the guy showed up, he just didn't ring the doorbell. But he knew where he was. There's a 46 on the wall. And he was parked right behind the car. So he's, he knew he was in the right place. But he just refused to leave the bags out front and refused to ring the doorbell where there was a car in front of our place. And someone was clearly home. It's like, at least, like, he didn't even ring the bell. Like, the first thing you do is ring the doorbell. Like, I'm here. I heard him. I saw him. So, ten minutes later, he disappears out the back, and he pulls the truck up to, like, the side of the place, and he disappears from the front. I can't see him anymore, and I know he's coming around the back, and he just, I, like, hear the steps up my back porch, just a random creepy guy, and he's just, and he lugs one of them up to the door, and I open the door, and he's just like, oh, and he just, he's just bitching and complaining the whole way. He's like, 
Oh, if I knew you were home, I wouldn't have come all the way back. And I'm just like, well, you didn't ring the fucking doorbell. Excuse my French. I'm gonna swear. Like, uh, this part pisses me off, because it's like, we didn't know we were gonna have to check our carry-ons, because we didn't bring check bags, we just had carry-ons. But the United flight back, they, they not only made us check the bags, but they charged us for it. So that's, you know, why we were all pissed off. And, um, it, was, it was bad. And so, like, he's bitching. I'm just like, you know, F, you know, I didn't give him too much crap, but I'm just like, he's, he's like complaining. I'm like, you're, I'm the one who's being inconvenienced here. You're complaining? So, anyways, I get the two luggage, I get the two carry-ons in, and my girlfriend's, which is all trashed, like, the front of it, like, everything inside is fine, but it smells like exhaust, and the front of it is all roughed up. It's all, it's wet because he's been, he didn't pick them up. He dragged them through the back and all the grass, and it's not mowed. I mean, it's it's not, like, unsightly, but it's, like, it's a little weedy and stuff, and it had just rained, so he's dragging it through all the, all the wet stuff. So both of them are, like, wet on the bottom, and hers has a bunch of these, like, dirt marks on it. Like, it had been sitting face down in the back of his truck, which is filled with dirt or dust, just crap, I don't know. I was like, what the hell? And I had, the kicker is that I had bought it for her less than a year ago. So it's like, you know, what the fuck? So my girlfriend being the more savvy person on the phone, she called them and not only did she get the 60 bucks back, but she got a $250 voucher um, for a flight. So that could be two very nearby domestic flights or one, you know, flight to somewhere. So, yeah, it kind of worked out. But it's just kind of like, ah, uh, like, it's just a major inconvenience. It was only a day, and, you know, we didn't have some of our clothes and some of our toiletries and stuff, but not the end of the world. But, anyways, um, didn't bring my Super 8 camera. Um, let's go to uh, the Niagara stuff, shall we? never been to Niagara Falls or Buffalo for that matter and obviously the two and for all intents and purposes I've never been to Canada legally before um, I accidentally crossed the border at a border crossing with a buddy of mine a couple years ago they were not happy about it I should say the American side were not happy about it the Canadian side were just kind of like a uh, morons but they're, they're super nice and um, that's my very failed attempt at a Canadian accent, but, uh, yeah, every time I've ever come back into the U.S., the American side is not nice, and, uh, it was further, um, they, they're just taught, you can tell they're just trained to be assholes, um, coming back, um, the border, excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, um, they're just trained to be buttheads, I don't know, um, I want to say TSA, but it's, uh, border patrol, border crossing. Border police. Um, yeah. So we did the whole we did the whole Niagara bit. We went on the Maid of the Mist. Um, every time you hear about somebody going to Niagara Falls, you hear the inevitable, oh, you got to see it from the Canadian side, not the American side, yada, yada. And I'm just thinking, like, I don't know what that means. I've only seen pictures. I haven't done too much research. I mean, it's just a waterfall, right? Like, what does that even mean? I don't even know. But seeing it from the Canadian side first... You, it, 
comes into perspective real quick what people mean when they say that. It is a completely different it is a completely different experience and I would say that you don't even get to see the Canadian side. Like the, I don't even think that you, don't bother going if you're just going to go on the American side. Get your passport. If you actually go to the spot, it's it's more of like a city type uh, uh, tourist attraction. You can actually walk across the bridge and do all the Niagara stuff and then walk back over. You don't have to, you know, drive for miles or whatever to to go from one side to the other. There's actually a walking bridge. It's called the Rainbow Bridge in um, Niagara, Buffalo. Uh, I don't know if it's Buffalo. It's not Buffalo. It's Niagara, New York. Niagara Falls, New York, I think. And then obviously Niagara Falls or Niagara, Canada. Oh, my God. And the kicker is that we came over the bridge and they have a barrier wall up on the left side. So when you're coming from Buffalo over the bridge to Niagara Falls, you don't even see it. So the first day we went over that bridge, I wouldn't even see it. Um, we decided to do, uh, it was like halfway through the day, so we decided to do Niagara Falls the second day, our first full day there. So the first day there, we went by it, and we're like, oh man, can't wait to see Niagara Falls tomorrow, but we didn't realize that we went right over the bridge that gives you like one of the best views. But anyways, go to the Canadian side, because, uh, whoa, the Horseshoe Falls, oh my god, uh, it is definitely one of the wonders of the world, because that, I mean, it's incredible. Um, the stories, we took a tour, heard some story, the tour took us, um, you know, they kind of stop in a couple of places where you can get out and walk around and whatnot, and um, we, there's a cu couple of, like, catacombs, or caves, or whatever you want to call it, behind the falls, you can actually go behind the water, um, it's pretty cool, um, learned a lot, read a lot of stuff, but then, of course, you go on the Maid of the Mist, and uh, you, they give you one of those plastic ponchos. And mind you, I had my backpack on. Um, and I had my half-frame camera, which managed to fit in one of the um, cup holders. You know, like the little felty uh, mesh things on, kind of on the sides of the bag that I have on my backpack. Um, which I got from work. Work provided it to me. And one of the sides is, I ripped one of the sides. Probably with a camera. Um, if I even remember I don't remember the other side the half frame camera is small enough where if I kind of shimmied it in it would fit and then in my hands I have my OM10 so this is pretty much my setup the whole time um, you get on the Maid of the Mist and what they don't tell you is is that if you're over like three and a half feet tall which you know I would say majority of people are is yes the poncho is going to protect everything the poncho is covering but you forget that the poncho is like sheer plastic and that all of the water that is hitting you is running down your poncho and getting all over your pants and all over your shoes. So I might as well have just jumped in, you know, knee deep into the water. Because, um, I mean, you get the Maid of the Mist goes close enough where you're just getting pissed on nonstop. And that just sits there for like five, ten minutes, just getting pissed on. And just getting pissed on and pissed on and pissed on. So, when we were getting pissed on um, by the awesomeness of Niagara Falls, and I think a lot of people take for granted what awesome means. Like, everyone's like, oh, that's awesome, that's awesome, that's awesome. But people don't realize that it's like the biblical term is like, it is awesome. Like, it is like wholesome, or like whatever stuff. It's like awe, like it, it produces, it, it conjures awe. Like, Oh, man, that's fucking incredible. Like, that's the definition of awesome. Like, 
some I, I don't know. I, it's just like a weird tangent I go on. It's like people use the term as like one word, but a lot of times, like if you actually separate it, you kind of understand the the meaning and impact of something that is truly awesome. Um, but it's just kind of become like a I don't know what you want to call it a like a like hey man like that's awesome like like a I don't know bro term I don't know. It's a bad, it's a bad, uh, it's a bad explanation for what I'm trying to get at, but hopefully you mean what I get. Anyways, um, so when I, we were really, really in there, just sitting there and just getting poured on, nonstop, pissed on, um, I didn't pull any cameras out. I had, I held my OM-10 underneath the poncho and I just waited. I just stood still because I have glasses on and my poncho and it's windy and the hood of the poncho is flying off. And I got a, basically just got a shower through my hair again for the second time. Um, and, like, you can't see anything. You can't do anything. Maybe it's because I had glasses and it's just, like, it's completely useless if you're getting rained on and you have glasses. It's a very, um, it's very something that's not, well, much spoken about when people have glasses. You just get rained on and rained on and rained on. Man, it's brutal. So I didn't take it out there, but... When we were headed in that direction and we were coming back, I pulled my own ten out and it did get a little wet. And uh, it, it, it held up. It held up for the whole rest of the trip. That was the second day um, that we were there. And um, it held up the rest of the next three days. So there's that. Um, it can take a little bit of uh, superficial water, you know, getting rained on them. I don't suggest that I uh, just hang out with it in the rain, but uh, I got a little wet. And I was immediately rubbing up against my shirt and stuff. And, um, you know, it wasn't like immediate immediately, but like, you know, it got a little wet. And uh, it still works. And I'm proud of it. Um, and I forget if I mentioned this, this metering issue saga. Um, I realized that it is the ISO dial. The ISO dial is a little funky. And uh, you got to mess with it and jiggle it around and push it up and down and do the hokey pokey, <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you jiggle it around a little bit, um, the meter comes on. So it's it's just a dirty dirty contacts on the ISO uh, s dial there. So uh, for any of you who are wondering, if any of you run into that issue, it is either um, something's bad, or it's the ISO dial, or I've read, which I thought it was, is the um, your. Uh, dirty contacts on the flash. It thinks that there's a flash attached to it, so take like an eraser, rub it up, rub it all good in there, or uh, maybe a little bit of, um, actually I was going to say isopropyl alcohol, just a little dab, a little dab dab, but um, look that up because I don't know if that's going to damage anything further. And I could be giving you bad information, so maybe don't do that, but do take an eraser to it because I've read that places and I did that. And um, I'm not a flash guy, so I don't really particularly care, but um, yeah. Just clean those, clean those contacts. Jiggle that ISO dial. So yeah, while we were there, we took a um, wine tour and a um, brewery tour, which were included in our package, um, which was cool the first night. So I took some snaps there. Um, in the half frame, I primarily had, I think the first thing that I put in it was um, the... Um, the Fuji Chrome, I actually don't know what the, the Chrome film is of the Fuji, um, of the Fuji brand, but I think I had that in there first, and then I think I put some Ektar 100 in there second, and 
I think that is what I finished it out with. Granted, it's 72 shots per roll in a half frame camera. So, um, I mean, I was just snapping away. There might have actually, I might have actually put three rolls through that thing. Um, yeah, I mean, it was fun. I had some, whatever I had in there first, I changed on the tour bus. Um, I was just, I was just blazing away with all these cameras. And it's, of course, you have three cameras, plus one of them takes as much as two cameras or two rolls of film. So, it was like almost having four cameras, and I was just snapping away. Um, yeah. What else do I want to go over? I wrote all this stuff down. Uh, one of the things that I did learn is that um, I definitely need a backpack, a proper camera backpack for storage. I mean, this was this trip was it was it was the real like it wasn't that hindering because I could just shove shit in the bag, but I had like a folder I think or a notebook. And, uh, okay, you know, my Rico is in there, and at times I just shoved my LM10 in there. Excuse me. And, like, we'd had water bottles in there, which is, like, I didn't really particularly want to do that, but my half-frame camera's in the side of it, and it was just a bitch to get out because it's just, like, the mesh water bottle holder that's not meant for a camera, and there's the, the tip of the, um, the half-frame camera has got jagged edges, the, the focusing ring, um... It was just a nightmare to get anything in and out and carrying. I don't have straps. Uh, the half frame camera has a has a wrist strap, um, and that's it. And my OM10 is strapless. Um, actually, the Rico does have a proper strap. It's it's a little thing, but uh, gets the job done. But for the most part, I really wasn't carrying that around in my arms. Um, the only day I did was the very last day, and it was very little. I only had some. Uh, did I put some color in that at the end? I forget. I think it was just black and white in the Rico. Um, I am, I, I am waiting to develop, uh, some Fuji Chrome from the FPP, um, that I took as the second roll with the, uh, Ricoh camera. But, um, yeah, overall, it was, I mean, I definitely need a camera bag, that's for sure. Just for ease of access. I mean, 100%. Even if it's just to access easily one camera, and then I could have another camera strapped to me, I think that would be, um beneficial and for my sanity especially when i'm out on a trip and i just want to bring like more than one camera um the other thing that i did for the first time which was um i went to a technically is my second nfl game but i don't remember the first one um for uh reasons that we won't talk about here um well i was just a little too intoxicated <laughs> um but yeah so i went to the nfl game, but the first thing the Thing that I did, as in like the first that I had, um, I've never taken a camera into a stadium like that because I was just too afraid that, you know, we're not staying near the stadium, or whatever. So it was like, there were, if they told me I couldn't bring it in, it's like, what was I gonna do with it, you know? So I was always afraid of that. But anyways, the day before, we looked it up on the website. We looked looked it up on the website and found out that you can bring in any camera you wanted as long as it had a lens that was less than uh, six inches. Perfect. Um, so that included um, everything that I brought. So um, I only brought the half frame, though, because, um, you know, I only had a t-shirt on. I wasn't bringing a bag in. I don't even think they allowed bags in. They allow those clear bags to make sure they can you can see everything in it or whatever. So um, I wasn't bothering with any of that. So I just brought my half frame. 
And I took some pictures there. Very cool game. We had very cool spots. Almost witnessed uh, a couple fights in the stands, which would have been really cool because there was a lot of a lot of drunk assholes around. But we sat next to some very pleasant Canadian Bills fans who, uh, towards the end of the game, had mentioned to each other that we were very pleasant and nice people, um, despite being Patriots fans, um, which I'm not a an avid Patriots fan, um, I'll admit, but I'm a Pats fan. But, you know, it's unless I'm with somebody watching the game, which my girlfriend is an insane Pats fan, but, um, you know, we're respectful. We're respectful of the other team, and everybody's just passionate about, you know, their team, right? It's like, especially if you're showing up to a game, if you're going to drop the money on going to a game, like, you're not just a, a passing, you know, you're not just a bandwagoner, you're, you're, you know, you're in it. So, I mean, we weren't, there were a lot of fans, though, on both sides that were being total jerks, and, uh, I mean, that's probably par for the course, but, uh, yeah, almost witnessed a couple of, uh, three very jacked gentlemen who were wearing Patriots gear, um, and two very scrawny, drunk Bills fans that were a lot younger in front of us who were leaning over and screaming in the ears of these three jack dudes. And uh, one of them politely turned around and told them God knows what. But, um, yeah, they uh, they kind of shut their mouths. And, you know, those three guys put up with a lot before uh, one of them turned around and told them to go, you know, stick it. Which is kind of fun because I thought he was going to punch them. I really did. Um, yeah, it was fun. Um, I did, in our last day there, stop into a store. Our flight wasn't until, what was it, 5 or 6, I think. So we spent most of the day in Buffalo just driving around. We didn't have plans. So I stopped into a record store, picked up uh, Randy Newman's Little Criminals. I picked up two uh, Graham Parker records. Um, go check him out if you've never heard of him. He speaks for himself. And two... Um, Jackson Brown's um, first two records. And these are all records that, like, I am not... I mean, I actively listen to them now because I have them on record, but, like, here and there I listen to them, but I, I began into them, I just don't have them on on uh, vinyl. That's basically what I'm saying. Like, they're, they're nothing special. I wasn't like, oh, man, look what I found. I'm just kind of uh, getting my collection together of stuff that I just avidly listen to on a regular basis. I'm just like, oh, I listen to this all the time on Spotify when I'm in my car or whatever. I just, you know, I want to buy them on vinyl. I'll buy it on vinyl. Um, so when we got back, of course, not only did my FPP order come with my Tri-X and I think I ordered three or four new rolls of 35mm, but the film that I had sent to get developed about two weeks ago now had come. So now I'm doing a bunch of scanning. My first frame uh, my first half frame roll had gotten developed it's a little iffy obviously it's I think it's zone focused if that's what you want to call it it's like you know you set it and you can't actually see what you're focusing on just kind of have to like measure it out zone focused um, so that's something that I have to get used to and you don't know if you're in focus until you get it developed which is unfortunate and then of course because you're not seeing what your you know your shutter is seeing um, there <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say there was a couple times where I left the um, lens cap on, but it is what it is. So I've shot like two or three more rolls with that, so that'll be exciting. And of course my first roll with the Rico was developed, uh, this black and white, which is very exciting. Um, but yeah, I'm going through all my rolls that are like test rolls or rolls of stuff where like I knew like the my last roll that I shot with my Maxim 5000. I'd come back, and it's funny because it was um, 
it's uh, it was ectochrome, and halfway through, I realized that I should trick it and set the ISO and set it to 50. So halfway through the roll, it's actually I shouldn't say properly exposed, but it's exposed enough where I can get a working image out of it. So um, and it was in bright sunlight, so that worked out. But um, so I'm finally going through all the stuff that I kind of knew was going to be crap, and um, I'm really excited to send in my next five or six rolls and the rolls from this trip to get developed um, and hopefully get some uh, good pictures out of it. Uh, I'm, I'm still in the realm of like, oh, that's a passable picture. Like, ah, it's a little blurry, but like when, you know, show it to my girlfriend or somebody else, they're like, oh, it's really good. And you're like, no, it's, it's, it's blurry. It's not good. You can tell what it is and it's passable, but it's not good to like print or it wouldn't be good to set as a desktop background. It wouldn't be good for like show to other people. It's it's just kind of like a documentation, and I want to kind of get past that and evolve from like passable images to like really being able to control the environment or control the camera for the environment and get like a really good picture depending on where I am and, and learn the camera enough to kind of you know nail um, you know nail the photo, uh, be more confident in my picture taking. Um, yeah. Right, so uh, one thing that I wrote here, and I forgot. So one of the films that I took was uh, Retrochrome 320, which um, I believe the, the FPP labels as... I think it's a 400 film, but some of it they sell as 400, and some of it they sell as 320. And I shot it at 320, which was exciting. And then I think the Portra that I took, I also shot it at 320. Or I shot it... See, I have a notebook of all this stuff. And, of course, I don't have it in front of me. But um, I'm messing around with um, um, pushing. Pushing and pulling. I'm messing around with that stuff. Uh, mainly just pull, uh, pushing. I'm mainly just, <laughs> I'm mainly just messing with pushing. I'm going to push you around. Pushing that film around. Uh, pushing that film up, really. So, 400 films... I'm shooting at 200 and just kind of like seeing what happens. I'm told that Portrait 400 at 320 really gives a fantastic image. So um, now I remember. So the 320, I shot at 320. I put some Portrait 400 in it during this trip as well and shot it as also at 320. So I'm um, doing some experimenting. Um, I had some Sfema 200 black and white, which I believe was in the Ricoh. Um... There was another black and white film. Might have been the XP2. Um, yeah, that's. I'm trying to just go through all my, uh, my list here. Uh, and my question to you, I so I'm, I'm trying to trying to trying to work with some audience participation here, some engagement, as uh, the pros like to call it. I have an interview tomorrow, and I'm kind of nervous about it. It's more at my alley. Um, Right now, I'm just kind of—I don't want to say slaving away, but I'm just kind of wasting away on this job where it's just kind of like mundane, nothing work. Um, it's not meaningful whatsoever. Uh, I'm not ashamed to say that. But um, there is an AV position um, that had opened up, and it's in the same building on the same floor that I work in. It might be a little bit of travel in terms of to campus and back, which is like a couple miles, if that. It's in the same city. Um, for more money, and it's more up my alley. Uh, alley. 
I swear I really haven't been drinking that much. Um, it's my second, uh, my second, my first was poured like an hour and a half ago. Um, it's more my alley and I'm nervous about it and uh, I just want to get that off my chest and I hope uh, the interview goes well. Because um, I'm horrible at interviews. T tell me about yourself. Uh, Tell me a time where you had to um, work with another coworker who you didn't get along with, or tell me, tell me a time where your fourth grade teacher um, subjected you to something that you didn't want to do, and how did you overcome that? And it's like, oh, I'm not good at those questions. Um, uh, one of the the real question that I wrote down here was, um, do you tell your friends or family or significant others uh, the podcast that you're listening to? Uh, like, primarily, like the camera podcast one thing um that i've kind of noticed is that my girlfriend did not listen to podcasts before i met her and now i've introduced her to podcasts and now all she can do all she wants to, no, i shouldn't say that but like any free time she has where she has to do something a chore around the house she just immediately pops on uh her um her true crime podcasts um which is unfortunate because anytime that you leave her alone and walk into a room she's immediately terrified and jumps, and uh, yeah, it's. I feel like I'm responsible for that, but um, I haven't told her that I'm doing this really. Um, I'm up in the loft; she's two floors away. Sometimes she's mentioned that she hears me talking <laughs> to myself, uh, but uh, I don't know. I haven't told her yet. I figured I'd try to get this off the ground before I'm like, "Hey, I'm doing this thing," but maybe I should just to uh, just to kind of uh, hold myself accountable. The more people you tell, the more you got to do something, right? Um, that reminds me, I canceled a dental appointment this morning, and I got a call from them, and I forgot to listen to the message. Ugh, I gotta do that. It's eight. It's almost nine o'clock at night. Ugh, God. The day is almost over. It seems like the days are just flying by. It sucks. Anyways, that's all I'll ramble on for for this non-Super Super 8 podcast. Um, again, my name is Pat Lynch. Um, I'm on Anchor, I'm on Spotify, I'm on all those great places, and uh, just remember that uh, everything I said here is probably wrong, so take it with a grain of salt anyways, or however I say it, I forget, I should start writing down whatever I decide that I'm going to say at the end of these podcasts, huh? Thanks, and uh, I'll see you next time.